Well, now it's Friday, so uh, and Pastor, your pastor has been very gracious to allow us to uh, preach, and he's been pretty flexible, it sounds like. He's just, just let the Lord lead, so I appreciate that. I want to start off by saying what an amazing service and sermon last night, Brother V. Uh, that is one of the high points of our whole three years of deputation, seeing that I truly felt the Holy Spirit and uh, and the fact that he was able, I love singing that song where you know seated on his throne, and he just he looks like a royal king. He did that impersonation excellent, and then he followed that up with about a third of his sermon. He how he did this was brilliant. I want to try to imitate this. He was able to pull up a chair and preach about a third of his sermon sitting down. That's amazing, brother. Genius. Praise the Lord. Um, so, well, I hope to be a blessing to you tonight. I uh, have a different preaching style probably than most preachers or missionaries you've heard. And that is why I've asked Pastor to try to sign uh, for us. If you would turn over in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. And we'll get right in. I'm going to unload tonight with both barrels and uh, take advantage of this uh, singular opportunity with liberty. Uh, this title of the message tonight is Why God Says Go. Why God Says Go. And that turned out excellent. Brother Jason, amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, and we'll read the first 13 verses. Ephesians chapter 2, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Note now these last few verses. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, 
But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Heavenly Father, help us now. Fill all of us with your Holy Spirit and help me to preach your word with wisdom and anoint me, Lord, uh, in this few moments and help us to have a greater conviction for the lost. And if there's somebody who is lost here tonight, I pray that they would really take to heart some of these points and, uh, and realize their need for salvation and be saved before it's too late. Help us to get to Mexico. Help us to get the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Why God says go. There's only two kinds of people in the world. Those who are with God in Christ and those who are without. Another term is those who are saved and those who are lost. Those who are saved are saved because they have trusted in Christ and his atoning sacrifice. Those who are lost are lost because they have rejected that sacrifice. And every person here in this room tonight and, in, and all around us is in one of these two classes. There is no middle ground, no halfway, no in-between. Uh, lost, the Bible says, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. We were all born, I'm sorry, conceived and born in sin. And before we got saved, we were without God, without Christ, lost. And before any person gets saved, uh, they are lost. Positively lost, not probably, not potentially, not presumably, and not partially, not maybe, not might be, not could be, but definitely lost. Not almost, but absolutely and assuredly lost. But what does it mean to be lost? To be without God, as our passion says. Well, I believe that no human mind is fully capable of understanding the gravity of that position. But God knows, and so he has tried to give us some idea of what it means through various statements and passages throughout Scripture. And so in point number one, just two points tonight... Why God says go, number one, is the downright depravity and dreadfully dire, disastrous destiny of doom determined for the damned. The downright, he's shaking his head, ain't no way. The downright Depravity and dreadfully dire, disastrous destiny of doom determined for the damned. God knows this and he has, therefore he has said go. According to God's word, those without Christ are the enemies of Jesus. They are rejecters of his truth. They doubt his virgin birth. They mock his miracles. They deny his deity. They scoff and scorn at his sacrifice. They reject his resurrection. They hate Jesus. And since they hate him, they hate 
his father and they hate his followers. For those without Christ, the things of God are foolishness to them. They resist the Holy Spirit always. They are utterly incapable of anything spiritual. They are as accustomed to doing evil as the leopard is to his spots. Their righteousnesses are as filthy rags. They derive pleasure in unrighteousness. They are utterly consumed with in and by sin, they are immersed in ignorance and enveloped in error. Hey, those who are without Christ are slaves to sin and to self. They are captives of the world, children of the devil. Satan is their father, their master, and their king. They do not seek God. They care nothing for his will. They have all wandered astray as lost sheep in the wilderness. Their hearts are hard. They are morally and spiritually bankrupt. No good thing dwells in them. They are dead spiritually, dying physically, soon to be dead eternally, separated from God forever, recipients of the just reward that they deserve, the wages of their sin that they have rightfully earned and accumulated. My friends, this is the dire condition of the lost. This is why God says go. Because those without Christ, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Hey, those without Christ, those who are lost, every area of their life, their mind, their emotions... And their will are contaminated. They think sinfully. They feel sinfully. They choose to act and to live sinfully. They are foolish, rebellious, wicked, wretched, transgressors, disobedient, vile, cursed, and perverse. Uh, The Bible says their hearts are filled with evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. Their lives are filled with fear, hopelessness, anxiety, bitterness, anger, malice, oppression, depression, doubt, loneliness, sorrow, lust, confusion, kindness, Hunger, thirst, weakness, sickness, emptiness, and unfulfillment, unreached potential, and shame. They are defiled, they are dirty, and downright depraved, vulgar and vile, sick, sad, and shameful. They are stuck in the muck of a horrible pit and mired in the mud of misery. Hey, they are without Christ. 
They're filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, backbiters, uh, I'm sorry, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. My friends, hey, the condition of the lost tonight, the downright depravity and dreadfully dire, disastrous destiny of doom determined for the damned, that is God says, go. Hey, they're dead in trespasses and sins. They're lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, they love darkness rather than light. Their minds are twisted. Their reasoning is backwards and upside down, so much so that wrong is considered right, evil is considered good, lies are truth, and truth is a lie. Hey, they are blind and think they can see. They are dead and think they are alive. They are captive and think they are free. They are helpless and think they can do anything. They are without understanding and think they know everything. They are for hell and think they are going to heaven. Oh, they profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Have you noticed everything I've said is according to Scripture? I've got Scripture and verse for everything. They are unjust, unrighteous, ungodly, unforgiving, unredeemed, unreconciled, uninhabited by the Spirit, unknown to God, unable to please Him, and under the care, command, custody, and control of the devil. Hey, they are bound by sin, trapped in spiritual captivity, ensnared by the devil, taken captive by him at his will. They have been cunningly conned and wholeheartedly hoaxed and hoodwinked, tricked and trapped, stripped and strapped, bogged down, bottled up, bound and bamboozled, bewitched, brainwashed and beguiled, paralyzed, immobilized, impounded, imprisoned, incapacitated, entangled and enslaved. They've been restricted, restrained and repressed, 
oppressed, suppressed, and depressed. Detained, deceived, destitute, depleted, and debilitated, dominated, depraved, and deprived, deluded by devilish devices. They've been fettered, tethered, tied up, and held down, hooked, hogtied, harnessed, handcuffed, and hamstrung, cinched, and secured, locked up, boxed in, quashed, and crushed, confined, caged, and corralled, subdued, subjugated, and shackled by that sick, slimy, stinky, sneaky scoundrel and seducing serpent called Satan. They are without Christ. They may appear to be enjoying life with all of its pleasures and wealth in their defiance of God, but it's a temporary, shallow, empty, fake, superficial facade because there is no real love, no real joy or peace or happiness, contentment, satisfaction, security or rest. They are poor and miserable. They are tired and troubled. They may appear, they may be religious, but they're still lost. They may be good or nice but they're still lost. They may be moral. They may be friendly. They may be cordial and courteous, pious and polite, but they are still without Christ. They may be diligent, dedicated, devoted, disciplined, but they are still without Christ. They may be zealous, fervent, earnest, but still Christ. Like sheep with no shepherd, lost with no guide, blind with no light, starving with no sustenance, sick with no cure, weak with no strength, naked with no covering, diseased with no healing, bound with no release, broken with no remedy, suffering with no relief, sad with no comfort, tormented with no peace, terrified with no courage, slaves with no freedom. They are under the the curse of God's broken law. They are condemned, corrupt, carnal. The wrath of Almighty God is abiding on them. They are reserved unto the day of judgment to be punished. They're lost in their eating and drinking and merriment, oblivious to the suffering that awaits them. They are rushing rapidly, rashly, and recklessly on the broad way that leads to destruction, hurriedly hustling and hastily hurtling headlong towards hell. They're hanging by a thread finer than spider's silk over the wide mouth of the abyss. Hey, they are in danger of sudden and everlasting destruction every moment that they live. Uh, sentenced to everlasting punishment and perdition in the lake of fire, that horrifically hot, horrendously horrid home to the harrowing horde of horrified and horribly howling host where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth and the worm dieth not, forever flailing frantically in outer darkness, utter impenetrable darkness, the blackest black blackness, of the deepest, darkest darkness were the shocking shrieks and sickening, skin-crawling, shrill, screeching, spine-tingling, hair-raising, blood-curdling, spasmodic screams of the severely suffering souls 
rage and roar in the relentless, agonizing anguish and terrible throes of torment and torture. Why does God say go, my friends? Why are we here tonight? Hey, because the lost are without Christ. It's indescribable. It's unimaginable. It's so grievously grim, grisly, ghastly and ghoulishly gruesome, so overwhelmingly distressing and dreadful that it defies description, my friends. All that and more is what it means to be without Christ. And that is why God says go. But thank God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is possible. I said, it is possible. There is a way. Hey, he made a way for you and for me and everybody to get out of without and into within. And there ain't nothing like being in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 2.10 says, Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain oh, the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Romans 3.24 says, Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oh, listen, when I trusted in Christ, I got the redemption that is in Christ. And I got placed in Christ. And the Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Hey, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So that brings us to point number two. Has anybody got any water? Is this fresh? It's fresh. Number two, why God says go. Here's number two, the supremely spectacular, singularly sensational, superlative, sublime, and supernatural status of the saved. Did you get that? I said number two, why God says go because of the supremely spectacular, singularly sensational, superlative, sublime, and supernatural status of the saved. Hey, listen, when a person's understanding is enlightened by the Holy Spirit, the conscience is convicted, their sinful condition is recognized, the heart and the mind change. Repentance is evidently expressed. The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is believed. A prayer of urgent contrition and confession is lifted up. The free gift of God is received. The Holy Spirit moves into the life of the new believer and applies the blood of Jesus to every sorry, single, solitary sin past, present, and future and washes them all away and the dark, black, evil stain of sin is removed as far as the east is from the west and the soul is cleansed 
and washed as white as snow in the blood of Jesus, transgressions are blotted out. Gone All fault is forgiven and forgotten. All charges are dismissed. The criminal, the criminal is exonerated. The accused is acquitted. All error is eliminated, eradicated, exterminated, and expunged. The guilty is pardoned. Condemnation is withdrawn. Judgment is stayed. And righteousness for the remission of sins is declared. And reconciliation occurs. Hey, when a soul gets saved, when he gets in Christ, the burden is lifted. Darkness turns to light. Spirit is resurrected. The nature is changed. The hunger is satisfied. The broken is made whole. The lame is made to walk. The thirst is satiated. The lost is found. The blind is given sight. The sick is healed. The prisoner is set free. Oh, my friend, old things are passed away. All things are become new. God becomes owner. Jesus becomes Savior. The body becomes a temple and the Holy Ghost indwells the new believer and seals the soul, gives guidance, confers comfort and confidence to the new believer. And the person becomes complete in Christ, accepted in the beloved. Hey, the righteousness of Christ is imputed. The spirit is reborn, regenerated, reconciled to God and spiritually resurrected. Hey, the soul is justified. The wicked is made righteous. The wall of separation and division is removed between God and self. Fellowship with God is established. Peace with God is achieved. Grace and pardon are given. Mercy and forgiveness are received. The soul is passed from death unto life. And he is born again when a soul gets saved. Why does God said go? Well, because when a soul gets saved, power is received to become a son of God. We become adopted into God's family. Jehovah God becomes Abba Father. Eternal life is gained. A new name is written down in glory. The Lamb's book of life gets added to. The kingdom of God is enlarged. And that soul, my friend, becomes a genuine Authentic, 100% guaranteed, no ifs, ands, or buts, and no question about it. True blue, through and through, hot off the press, extra, extra, read all about it. Brand spanking, shiny, new, honest to goodness, absolutely, positively, child of God, and a validated, verified, bonafide, certified citizen of heaven. Hallelujah. When a soul gets saved, hey, an inheritance is a place at the feet of Jesus is procured. Work has begun on a new mansion. A new crown is forged. Treasures start getting laid up in heaven. Jesus Christ is honored. The bride of Christ is beautified. God is glorified and he is pleased. So pleased, in fact, that according to the scriptures, when a soul gets saved, a colossal celebration of celestial cheer commences and a blowout bash of bodacious, bombastic, boisterously blessed bliss begins, followed by a frolicking festival 
and fantastically fabulous fiesta of fervent felicity. And every instrument in heaven is played and every voice of every angel is lifted up and every nook, cranny, crevice, and corner of heaven is filled with a happy hoedown of heavenly hooping and hollering and highfalutin hullabaloo when a soul gets saved. Oh, listen. Can you... Hey, sick folk rejoice when they become well, but there isn't rejoicing like the rejoicing in glory when a soul gets saved. Debtors rejoice when the debt gets paid, but there ain't rejoicing like the rejoicing in heaven when a soul gets saved. Nations rejoice when they're triumphant in battle. Students and teachers rejoice when the last day of school is over. Couples rejoice when they fall in love and get married. Hey, but there ain't no rejoicing like the rejoicing in heaven when a soul gets saved. Oh, hey, farmers rejoice when the harvest is reaped. Teams celebrate when they win the championship. Families rejoice when a child is born. Hey, listen, congregations rejoice when the preacher finishes his sermon, but there ain't no rejoicing. Like the rejoicing in heaven when a soul gets saved. Hey, when a life is changed forever, when a previously paralyzed portion of the body of Christ comes alive and the church grows and the earth is enriched, the world and its ways begin to lose their appeal. Rivers of living water begin to flow in the person's heart. Transformation is initiated. The mind begins renewing. Positional sanctification and the process of practical sanctification starts. Old wounds start to heal. Old relationships are restored. New relationships form. Hey, old habits begin to fade. Hope becomes real. The future becomes bright. The word of God becomes precious. The love of God and the fear of God and the wisdom of God begin to manifest themselves. And oh, <coughs> what a great, great Victory, my friends, a great battle is won. What a miracle. Hey, the devil lost another soul. Oh, but watch out because he gets really mad. Really, really mad when a soul gets saved. Madder than a mosquito in a mannequin factory. Madder than a one-legged waitress at IHOP. Madder than Mad Jack McMad, winner of last year's Mr. Madman competition. Why? Because he lost another one. Another soul slipped through his claws, dodged his jaws, escaped his paws, and it don't set well in his craw. A soul got saved from hell. Hell got emptier. Hey, the lake of fire is evaded. Perdition is shunned. Damnation is spurned. Hey, that's why God says go. Amen. Hey, listen. A great, I said a minute ago, a great battle is won, but a new, a new battle begins. A new soldier becomes enlisted in the fight for the cause of truth and right, because, and watch out, because a whole horde of horrible, hateful hostility, I'm talking about an awful operation of oppression and overt opposition occurs. A sordid succession of severely savage, spitefully sadistic, strategic, spiritual attacks 
and abhorrently antagonistic anomalies of animosity and adversity are activated against the new believer. And a very vast and varied volume of viciously vengeful, vehemently violent and vindictive venomous vitriol is unleashed by the devil and his fierce uh, and fierce fiery darts start flying frightfully fast from his foul fiendish friends. It's amazing when a soul gets saved. Believe it or not, some people actually get mad. There's a possibility, if not the probability, of persecution, rejection and ridicule, insult and intimidation, criticism and contempt, scoffing and scorn, disparaging disdain and demoralizing derision. derision. He might be made fun of or mocked, maybe from family, maybe from employers or co-workers, maybe from fellow students or former friends or neighbors. Hey, things happen. You've seen it before. Devil's trying to sink that newborn Babe in Christ, bad things, sad things, strange things happen to attack, uh, to cause discouragement and inhibit growth. There'll be opposition, there'll be attacks, there'll be temptations, trials and testing. There'll be problems, there will be heartache and failures. There'll be gut-wrenching defeats and stress. There will be struggles, storms and sacrifices. There'll be fatigue and weariness. There may even be danger, but listen, my friends, there's nothing like going through the valley. There's nothing like going through the storm with Jesus. Amen. Oh, when a soul gets saved, listen, you get a new family, a great, big, happy family with lots of sisters and brothers and fathers and mothers that'll encourage and exhort and instruct and admonish. It's a wonderful Wonderful family, closer than blood, kind and caring, loving and sharing. My friends, in Mark chapter 10, verse 29, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, but in the world to come eternal life. Hey, when a soul gets saved, we're, we're, we're coming in for the landing. They're placed and kept in the Father's hand. Jesus said, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my Father's hand, out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I'm talking about preserved until the end. Listen, when a soul gets saved, Jesus Christ will in no wise cast him out, and he will never, ever, never, never, never leave him nor forsake him. When, this is why God says go. When a soul gets saved, bold access to the throne is opened. Mercy is obtained and grace to help in the time of need. Uh, he becomes the object of God's power and strength, God's faithfulness and forgiveness, God's goodness and blessings, God's love and favor, God's provision and protection, God's promises and God's peace. Hey, there's no more fear, no more wandering, no more wandering. Death loses its sting. The grave loses its victory. And Christ is one more soul closer to coming, my friends. This is why God 
says go. But if all this is true, do you believe it tonight? Is it true? Is it true? Have you, have you been born again? Do you know what I'm talking about? But if all of this is true, then why is there so much apathy and indifference when souls get saved? Listen, after the church service, heaven doesn't rejoice over a great sermon or great music or great fellowship or great giving. Heaven is waiting for the invitation. Did anybody get saved? That's the question in glory. And I believe that it is worth our shouting and our yelling and our jumping up and down for joy because there's no greater miracle than the new birth. Hey, it's worth our giving. It's worth our going, my friends. So why don't we do more to get people out of without and into within? That's what it's all about. It's all about souls getting saved. And right now, all around us, there are people who are waiting to be saved. They are waiting to be witnessed to by you. The need is greater than ever. The need for souls to be saved. The need for laborers to go out into the fields that are white already to harvest. The need for servants to serve. The need for ambassadors to go. The need for messengers to proclaim. The need for watchmen to warn. The need for soul winners to win souls. What are we going to do tonight, Bible Baptist Church? How much are you going to give? Who are those that are going to go? Because they're out there. They're closer than you think. They're readier than you think. That is why God says go. Would you bow your heads? When you're discouraged and hope is gone And you just feel you can't carry on Try to change your thinking and you will surely see that God works all things for your good and he'll bring victory. Think about the good things and not the bad. Think about the happy and not the sad. Don't think about what you've lost, but think about what you've won. Think about the good things that God has done. Think on the lovely, the pure and true. Think on the blessings God's given you. Think about God's virtues. Start to sing His praise. God's goodness and His mercy will follow you all your days. Think about the good things and not the bad. Think about the happy and not the sad. Don't think about what you've lost, but think about what you've won. Think about the good things that God has done. Don't think about what you've lost, but think about what you've won. Think about the good things that God has done.
of you and me. No way I could count them. There's not enough time. So I'll just thank him for being so kind. God has been good, so good. I have been blessed. Arms that will raise, a voice that can talk, hands that can touch, legs that can walk, ears that can listen, eyes that can see. I've got to praise him as long as I breathe. I have been blessed. Mother and father nurtured and raised. Sisters and brothers, memories made. Our pastor to lead us, this altar to pray. Stripes that can heal, the blood that still Time. So I'll just thank him for being 